welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Well, happy Monday, April 18, 2022. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Steve Schultz, founder along with my wife of the Elijah List. Be sure to subscribe for the, uh, to that below. And Elijah Streams, they're kind of a uh, sister organizations, cousins, whatever you will, but the Elijah List itself started 25 years ago this month. I don't know which day it was, but 25 years ago in April. And uh, so the Elijah Streams came along a little bit later, but uh, the explosive growth that we're seeing is in the Elijah Streams, the video portion. Um, some of you may have heard me tell that uh, one prophet uh, sent me a word a few months back, something like that, that said, the time will come when the Elijah list will be a footnote compared to, didn't mean it, would, it wouldn't exist, it just meant it would be kind of a footnote compared to what, what God's doing with Elijah's streams. And that that has turned out to be true. So he said that um, before it was, you know, becoming true. So anyway, we're glad to have you here. We're going to bring in Johnny Enlow in just a minute. Uh, for those who, I was thinking, I'm trying to remember if, if um Mel K was Friday. Someone could type that in. I think she was the one that was Friday, but um, we were just talking about it off the air. You know, I expected maybe we'd get some pushback because, you know, she's not a prophet, but she's she's giving us the truth that we need to have. And so I thought well, we're going to get some people that says, Steve, this is a prophetic list. You need to not have anyone but prophets and all that. But we didn't get that. People want um, Mel K back. We do, too. She is really a wake-up call to the body of Christ. Um, she really is, and some of you have heard her. At she's at almost every uh, Reawaken America uh, event with Clay Clark and General Flynn, and she gives a rousing speech like none other. You know, she, as rousing as she is to on the on the screen now these days, when she gets up in front of the uh, with a microphone, she's really ripping it, man. And she's, you know. In fact, I think she said, some of you thought I was angry in Oregon. I wasn't angry. I'm just whatever she said, passionate or whatever. But she's very, very passionate to wake up. Um, if if not anyone else, the Patriots of America and hopefully as many people as we can uh, finally get on. So anyway, thanks for your feedback with Mel K. We will have her back. We're probably going to shoot for once every uh, couple of weeks. So twice a month, we'll try and get Mel on and... Um, we're going to, I can tell we're going to be fast friends, both personally and we, with the show. So, all right. I think that's it. Uh, so uh, we're, we've got a little introduction that we'll roll. So without any further ado, let's bring in Johnny Enlow. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. And welcome, Johnny. Good to see you. Hey, that you know what? That just uh, I'm going to throw you a question before you say. <laughs> Come on. When you say that the the awakening is for your children. Explain what you mean by that, because I mean it's for us. But what what are you saying? Well, you know, if if in the body of Christ, sometimes there's been such uh, delight in the idea of being raptured that we think only of our generation. It's like okay. if if you can't snap out of that for yourself because you're like too locked in. I've ha actually had people say, "I just can't shift enough. I've been so much in that mindset that we're about to be raptured. I can't get motivated." 
in order to be salt and light. Essentially, they're being honest. I said, well, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your kids. Do it for your grandkids. That's good. Yeah, my son-in-law is, is, was totally raised up in that. I love him dearly. He, he and my old, our oldest daughter, Tawny, they give us two great grandsons. Uh, but, you know, he was over here, and he, he has strongly believed in the imminent of the rapture. And I'd say, it's going to happen, Ben, but it's not time. And I said, if God takes us out, then he's saying, I guess I'll, I'll settle with two, two out of seven billion. That's good enough for me. I guess you guys couldn't bring the rest. I'll have to figure out something else, you know, because he said, go into all the world, to all the nations and preach the gospel to every living creature, you know, and then the end shall come. So there's something there that, that to me, that's just like in our face. How can we say that? Plus a bride without any spot or wrinkle. We're a million miles from that right now. So I don't know. What else would you say about that? Well, absolutely. On all those, you know, and in, in, in Acts, uh, you know, he is held into the heavens to the restoration of all things spoken by his servants, the prophets. And the prophets spoke of a day such as Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah 60, verses 1, 2, and 3. Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness, gross darkness. But the Lord will arise on you. His glory will be seen on you. And depending what version of the Bible you have, and nations will walk to the light of the sons of God. So we say, have we seen nations walk to the light of the sons of God? No, we haven't seen that yet. So mm-hmm. Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's the prophet Habakkuk. And then there's the prophet David in Psalms 2. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for an inheritance. So we have dimensions of uh, of manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth, we have not seen. So the idea that he would come at this stage of mediocre fulfillment of his promises, I mean, they're, they're not fulfillment at all. It's just a violation of the sense of scripture itself, and especially of the scripture out of Acts that says he is held in the heavens. He is retained uh, there, that he's he's there, he's in intercession, but he's interceding for us. Yes, he helps us as well. But we do have an assignment before he comes and rescue us. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, you know, um, Ben, and again, I love him very dearly. He's uh, he's a good, good guy. But um, we've had this discussion on and off for about this uh, eight, nine years since they've been married. But they didn't have any children. He said, well, I don't know why we would have children because, you know, this imminent of the rapture. And I said, Ben, I'm going to be going to your grant to your children's wedding one day. So, you, you know, you better start having him because I'm going to be attending. Well, so now they've given us two great grandsons, and he's an amazing father, um, the biggest kid of them all. He has so much fun with his kids and his, his uh, nephews and nieces. But, but you know, now I'm saying, I'm, I'm still repeating the same verse. I'm going to attend your children's weddings, you know. So there, that's where exactly what you're saying. If it's not for you, do it for your children. Yeah, because, you know, it's – and. I, I present this, and this can be controversial, that this is actual doctrinal infiltration and hijacking of Christianity that this oh, message wow. is meant. Like it, fake news is what you're saying. Like fake news. It didn't even exist before 200 years ago. And then if you see the progression of it, how it came in and who funded it, who was behind it, um, there's deep state funding at different levels really? of this uh, to advance and to go. And, and you know, it could be worth some whole um, whole program to do it so we understand it. But it's not just like we're we're getting ahead of the game and we're trying to get to 
you know, the celebration at the end before actually before finishing the game. It's like maybe somebody said, you know, after the game, we're going to go have pizza, eat pizza and Coke. And so you you start wanting to do that in the first quarter or something. It's not just (laughs) that this is like actual uh, splicing in. It's it's intentional. It's coordinated. It's funded by really Luciferian agents that would like to see a church that only thinks about we'll say the party at the end of the pizza Mm. at the end of the game. And so they don't play the game. So they get creamed and they get crushed. But then the Lord says, I'm, I'm not sending, I'm not coming. I'm not returning for a defeated bride. As you pointed Mm. out, it's a bride without spot or wrinkle. Who's, who's accomplished what she was supposed to accomplish. Who's finished her assignment. So then you realize how this has been going on generation after generation. And really since the generation after Paul, actually including Paul, this end times itis, I call end times itis. I call it uh, the worst virus, the end times itis virus. The the, the expectation that mm-hmm. any second, any moment, Jesus is coming, or some end game scenario is about to take place, actually keeps us from doing what we're supposed to it be does. doing. It does, and, and it's gone generation after generation after generation after generation. I remember being a thirteen year old boy. And having been convinced by the church where my dad was a leader, uh, you know, fifth generation for five generations back, there's ministers um, in, in my lineage, we'll say. And and I was convinced, you know, the 10 horns of revelation of these 10 nations in Europe. And I was I remember thinking to myself, dang, I'm never even going to get a chance to get married. Yeah, I and, remember that one. Right. And our whole generation, if you're believers, this is just that's that's the 99 percentile. So the infiltration is intentional. It's not just like a handful of people believed what we believe, Steve. This was what was going on across the board. And so that was not helpful at all. So we checked out from our assignment in society and we just like all the bad news that comes in. We go, yes, maybe this is it. Maybe we're going bad enough where Jesus is going to rescue us. You know, and that's just a mess. I, I had this was like 20 years ago, but still we had moved to this area where we now live in this house. And I was having a meeting and I was working part time in a computer company because Elijah's hadn't grown big enough yet. And so I was sitting across from a, a gal named Andra and she was saying she was kind of of the new age uh, milieu, there's a word. <laughs> She's, you know, that was kind of her thing, and she she was expressing a lot of frustration at Christians. She said, "You guys don't care about the earth. You don't care about taking care of things." And I said, "You know what happened? Let me just tell you, under what happened. We were taught way back then in the seventies when they started bringing these recycling down uh, along that we were supposed. To, we were taught that we were out of here, and so for no, for that reason alone, we didn't think it was." important to worry about taking care of the earth you know worrying about the, the air and everything because we're out of here and i said and she goes no one ever explained that to me before and i was thinking to myself i've never heard myself say it before and i'm saying it to a to a non-believer and all of a sudden she goes oh is that oh it's like the fence kind of the offense kind of rolled off when she did that so no the irresponsibility is just amazing and i remember i was a little uh you know short-term depressed when the lord finally got through, um, we'll say my programming, my Christian programming. And I was probably um, advanced in my 20s, maybe in my 30s. I'm pretty sure it was in my 30s when mm. he finally is. got it clear to me. He's like, no, this 
you, you, this is going to go beyond your age as well. This is, you know, people can believe it or not believe it, but he was like, you, it's going to be another few generations. And it wasn't clear. He wasn't telling me a specific uh, date or deadline, but he was like, you need to think a hundred years for everything you're doing and processing right now. And, and then I realized, you know, my dad was a man of God. He was honored as the man who brought the things of the Holy Spirit to the nation of Peru um, when he passed, when he passed away and he's, he's buried there. And, um, but he was certain, he was just certain, certain, certain that Jesus, he would see the return of Jesus before he went. Mm-hmm. And we see that even for great men of God, there's the older you get, there's this progression. You're, you're certain that he's about to return. And I'd like to, you know, tongue in cheek say they're actually right, but he's, it's a personal thing rather than oh. a corporate thing. He's coming for them, but he's not coming for everyone. And so you find that all these voices that I grew up under that knew and they, you know, there would be like vivid dreams and revelations that they that confirmed to them that for sure Jesus was coming before their day was over. And then the Lord just, you know, he also instructed me how to look at things. It's like, does this look like this is a storyline that would give me honor? Does this look like this gives me the majesty do my name for me to come rescue a church that's struggling even for basic unity has yeah, basic unity even. no power manifesting. Does this, does this look like why I sent my son to die on the cross? Well, and you and I have talked about the fact that we are coming upon a time when a whole lot of sin that's in the church is going to be revealed. And at the same time, we're saying, boy, this is a, scary, a little bit scary time or sobering time might be a better word. Because when this stuff gets revealed, like it did in 88, all of that stuff, Jim and Tammy Baker and Jimmy Swaggart, that all happened. Um, But about the time this is about to be revealed, people are saying, this is the imminent return of Christ. And I'm I'm going, well, how could you arrive at that knowing the state that the church is in and God's coming to bring bring a spotless bride? We are so far. You know, even, even the few that are awake, if I could use that term, and understand that even in our own lives, you know, we're not anywhere as close to where we want to be. I, I think, you know, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I hope he finds faith in me, but, you know, sometimes I'm pretty faithless. But Well, and I think, you know, part of the deal is there's sort of like there's two churches out there, even from perspective yeah. of the Lord. Um, from ourselves, whatever. One would be organized Christianity, mm. and one is the ecclesia. We know he loves his bride. And and so there is something, you know, I would never want to be one that is critiquing the bride of Christ. There is his bride that he loves. He knows she's in part. She's imperfect. He's contending for her. He's helping her. He's assisting her, lets her go through some things. Part of what we're going right now is to wake up uh, his legitimate bride whom he loves. Um, but organized churchdom and organized Christianity is also called the church. And a lot of that is really the pseudo church, you know, okay. it's fake news church. And so uh, it can look like we're being harsh on uh, pastors and churches um, when there are so many he's proud of for what they're doing and how that's, they're representing you know, him. That's actually the first time I've ever heard that explained in that way by anyone, not just you, but anyone. So you're saying the bride of Christ, she, she might actually be pretty close to uh, spotless, those that are really following the Lord. 
Um, but the Bride of Christ is yet to include all of those that are in the fake news church or fake something church too, right? They have to come along too. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that I think she's almost, you know, in that position where she needs to be. Uh, She might only be a 12 or 13 year old um, young lady. Uh, And and so based on that, he does have, you know, grace. He has grace for process for those who are legitimately sincere in their beliefs and their following of Christ. And there just happens to be uh, even historically forever. You can go back to Jesus day. It was the church, in quote, the religious leaders of that day that were his biggest uh, enemies, antagonists, and the ones that he had the most harsh words for. You know, you could be a a prostitute. You could be a woman caught in the act of adultery. You could be a leper, and that was supposed to be a for sure sign. You were a sinner, and you're going to get only kind words, and you're going to get redemption and healing from Jesus. But if you were a Pharisee... um, and again, that's the religious leaders, the one that, ones that knew the New Testament, the ones that uh, understood the word and quote better than anybody. There is not in all of his communications to them. You, you can almost not escape the disdain that comes out of his commenting towards them because they're distorting the image of who he is and they're doing it from a leadership position. And those who distort who he is from a leadership position it's not just, well, I, you know, he doesn't have the same patience as as someone who's in process, but doing the best they make, best they well, can. Well, I mean, and, you know, we've heard about the different churches and some people say these are numerical ending with Laodicea or Laodicea, however you say it. Um, and I mean, there maybe there is something to that. But on a given in a given state, let's say Oregon, there are churches that are in fire. They're not they're not part of Laodicea, but other churches may, may be so. So. If there's anger that's due, like the turning over of the tables that Jesus did, that was appropriate anger. It was for the religious people selling out, um, becoming wealthy on, on the backs of the people. Um, it's it, that's kind of that kind of thing, and and all kinds of debauchery. Um, some of those Pharisees were involved with the women caught in sin. They just they were probably some of those who he's who's names he wrote in the sand um is that is that a kind of a picture of what you're saying yeah i mean paul himself would talk about um and i won't go to the scriptures there but those who involved in in sexual debauchery from a leadership standpoint the corinthian church were very advanced even in gifts of the holy spirit but they had just incredible uh sexual sins and he was telling them it's a it's a big deal. It's not a little deal. And and so there is, uh, you know, a need for us to fully embrace the expectations that the Lord has on us for living, wor- you know, representing him worthily. Um, he's he's the king and his ways must be championed here on earth. It's not just about having the transactional assurance card that you can put out of your wallet on D-Day, you know, on death day. Hey, I got the card. I said the prayer. It's yeah. like he he expects there to be a people that cooperates with his plan. The whole earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God is not something he does after removing us. 
or be, he does it with us. You know, yeah. he establishes in Isaiah 60, his glory will be seen on us. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button. You, that's that. My, uh, well, uh, in, in the, argument, the it, argument on that one, Johnny, and I know we didn't even plan to talk about this, but no. uh, is that the, the argument is, well, even if there's 5 billion that haven't heard the name of Jesus, once he takes us out of here and the Holy Spirit's removed, that's going to be so bad that then they will reach out to God because they'll be desperate. But the world is desperate now. They're dying desperate now. Not only that, if you go through history, you find out that those type of repentances, they're repentance based on fear of the moment. They're not lasting ones. Oh, okay. And even people who get saved under intense fear, they're scared. And, you know, mm. uh, you might go to hell tonight if you don't make the prayer that those they end up being some sort of spiritual defect, birth defect almost oh, wow. in that. Um, so you find out, for instance, this is stories from years ago. There was a substantial earthquake in California, 7.2 or 7.4 in the 90s. And it said the next day, like 90 percent of 90 um, percent of the, you know, the, the film adult film industry turned in their um, they re, they resigned. They stepped down. It was crazy. They knew there was because it was right where they were located. There's right that Northridge uh, earthquake yeah, where all yeah. the films were made, yeah. uh, I guess. And they're like, they got it. This is judgment on what we're doing. And then, but a few weeks later, they just started, you know, it lasted, they had fear for a couple of weeks and then it just picked, picked back up. You can go to the tsunamis that hit Thailand and Indonesia, uh, unprecedented once in every 40 year nine point something earthquake and hundreds of thousands die. And it was an area that now we know there was a lot of human trafficking based uh, there in tourism, trafficking tourism. And so short order, something happens. St. Katrina in New Orleans. And there was, okay, there was the people that took it as a judgment and okay, we got to get cleaned up. And it just doesn't last because it's the kindness of God that leads to true repentance yeah, according to yeah, Romans. And so it's just, it's a yeah. fault. And I don't know if it was your observation, but mine was as, as a big of a deal as it, as 9-11 was, and we, we were shaken to the core. We all started going to the churches for special prayers starting the next day. The next morning we showed up. It was in the middle of the week, as I recall. And But that only lasted a short time until you realized, okay, They've got these new laws in the place, and now Homeland Security set in place. Now they're doing. Whereas a lot of that stuff was used to begin to, to for the cabal to take even further control. But we thought, for a time being, that we were uh, being taken care of. Yeah, so it was like the worst of both worlds. It was the fake news both ways, you know. But anyway, well, well, Johnny, I, uh, you probably had some things on your mind that you wanted to share, with, and then we'll get into the other questions we have. But anything else? Anything else? Yeah, I'll shorten it a couple of things so we can get to the questions because out of those questions, probably many other things I like to say. Is I, I was awakened over and over and over and over last night uh, with Second Corinthians ten four. It was like the Lord was telling me that, and then I just would stay awake as long as I could, uh, letting him instruct me on it. So that's kind of, uh, there are two verses I want to say sort of as my, I will say, preamble to the next part we do. But Second Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. 
And um, and there was this emphasis, emphasis, the weapons of our warfare are, they're mighty in God. And but really, there's several words that are worth highlighting. And I'm, uh, I'm glad they have it in front of us there. The weapons. So why do we need weapons? Because we're at war. Okay. Um, the war has become... Uh, the service God has done for us right now is allow us to see the war because we're at war, whether we see it or not. The enemy goes about to steal, kill and destroy us. And he's been trying to do that. And part of our awakening right now is to realize, you know what? Even when I was asleep, he was trying to kill me. He's been putting stuff in our food in and big pharma. He's been brainwashing us mm. through fake news, through big tech, big media. Uh, vaccines have had dangerous components that have been uh, harmful for us for decades, and he has been making false wars. So the enemy has been doing this for a long time. So we need weapons of our warfare, but he's pointing out they're not carnal, means they're not human, not to be graded at a human level, but mighty. And that oh, word man. mighty, dinatos is the uh, D-Y-N-A-T-O-S, O-S is the Greek uh, word for it. it, means able, powerful, mighty, strong. It even means mighty and wealth and influence. And then the pulling down of strongholds, if you just look up that word in the Strong's Concordance, strongholds, the word it means castle or fortress. So this is something the Lord wants to resonate in every one of us right now. This is something that needs to echo inside of our mind, inside of our spirit. I know that's why he was speaking to me over and over and over last night, because there can be, again, part of this awakening period is discovering how uh, wholesalely the enemy has been covering his bases to destroy us and how they have used this mm. Safarian cabal mafia worldwide. And they've been taking us out and they have been trying to kill us um, in the last two years specifically, there's all sorts of dastardly things that are continually being discovered. I could do a whole program on all that, obviously, but there's enough of that warning for most people to understand. There's places you can look at. It's really not my, not the message the Lord has for me to do is just to tell, uh, you know, all the stuff the enemy and Satan is doing. But in that, when you, when you stay in that too long, you begin to feel helpless and hopeless. And or you're waiting for whether it's there's the assignment, I believe uh, President Trump still has. And there's a, a, a major team working uh, with him. And but we're not really waiting for them. That's just an instrument God is using. Or there's a practical thing. OK, we need God to do this. But he always even when he's rescuing us, he has us do a part and he wants us to know that we have the goods available to us. And so there is something for us as the body of Christ to realize, you know, just that's part of my message. Chew on that. Uh, let that reverberate in your spirit this whole week and even more. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty and they can take down strongholds. They can take down castles of the enemy, fortress of the enemy. That's, uh, that's just what he's equipped the body for. This is forever. This is not apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists. This is this is everyone. This was a word, a message to, that every single one of us who are believers, you know, these signs will follow those that believe that if you're a believer, you carry in you the ability, the innate possibility of tearing down a demonic fortress, wow. Wow. a demonic castle 
And you can begin in your circle, wherever you're waking up, your circle of influence, your town, your city, your nation, your state. This is something we must we must arise to at this time. This this becomes important. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. And this connects to what we're talking about, Steve, because the prophetic is one of the ultimate mighty weapons. If you look at, OK, what are these mighty weapons? You can say prayer. Prayer is one that is our go to real easily. Mm -hmm. But what's, what's unique about the prophetic, it's like prayer with high level eyes eyes and ears. There's there's a unique seeing capability that's attached to it. And so, you know, even the figure of uh, uh, of, of the prophetic is uh, the eagle. And it's an eagle that can see from very far, has very that's strong uh, beak. It has very strong talons and it has way more power than seems imaginable, way more ability to see. And so the prophetic is, is such... Um, it is this instrument that's why he calls us and says all of you can prophesy all of you can um can step into operating in this power and that's what we want to be hitting on a, on a regular basis that we're all called to steward the voice of god that's what the prophetic ultimately is we can go in the nuances of it who's a prophet who's just learning who's in prophetic and all kinds of other details but the specifics of it are that he has granted us this ability to steward his communication. And if we actually capture his communication correctly, that we are able to release the power on earth as if he said it. And he's the one that said, let there be light. And this is, this is something I have experienced in my own life is as I'm speaking, there will be something. Oh, I don't know if you felt that, but right when I said, as I'm speaking, if anybody heard, there was a rumble. rumble, rumble. Oh, was it? I don't, it didn't come across in your mind, but that's but that's one of the things you're saying. You pay attention to that kind of stuff, right? It like, literally right like, when I said when I said as I speak, there's a quarry near us, and it rumbles <laughs> and shakes the whole house. And wow. uh, I haven't felt it all day, but I said that's the very dynamic. That's a little punctuation from the Lord. There's a partnership he and I, he and us can have, and if we get a chance, we'll and it might go with the questions as well. Ezekiel. Well, you know what? Uh, oh, oh, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. What did you say right there? I'll just say if we get to Ezekiel 37, there will be this interplay dynamic um, that's so important of understanding the power that can be uh, apprehended and released on planet Earth by this these interactions with the Lord and how he just wants to use, we'll, we'll just call it little old us. You know, we could... Yeah. Not we're not we're not just saying yeah uh, the mighty prophets the mighty apostles so many things God did with me in nations where even a whole nation was affected even the lights go out in the whole nation when I make a declaration when I was a total unknown and so it has nothing to do with you being known have a following or the yeah. other people it's you can be known in heaven way before you're known uh, on earth and so totally. that's just that's just a good thing. Well, you, you know, and that reminds me, you said little us and someone said little me. I don't know if that's Heidi Baker, but there was, some of you may remember in the 70s, 80s, there was a very famous woman named Ann Kimmel. She was either a flight attendant or she was flying and she would sit next to people on the airline and she would say, do you mind if I sing to you? <laughs> and she would just sing and she would do it on, back then they would all pass her cassettes around and she would sing the song that she sang to this person and there's streaming down. Tears, that was the powerful, mighty weapon of the prophetic 
coming out in the voice of a minstrel, you know. So little old me isn't isn't so little in the spirit when you're obeying the Lord. So what were you going to say? I see your eyes looking for a scripture. No, that's, uh, well, it's really a scripture that goes with it. And, and this is the second scripture I want to leave because this is part of kind of the prophetic. This is the prophetic specific word for us as the body of Christ right now. It's uh, Luke 10, 19. And um, I think I got it right here. We can put it up there in a minute. And so Luke 10, 19. We'll give you just enough time. There so you it, go. There it, it is. And it, and it runs upon the same idea that, that we're talking about. And behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, there's two parts of this. And I might uh, uh, look at the verses right before it for those putting up the scripture. But, you know, and I'm not going to get in depth on it, but you may have um, seen this video that's gone around, Steve, of Watch the Water. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a Dr. Brian artist. And and uh, I know he was on Stu Peters, but he also had some other programs as well. And I know there's those who say, no, that's not legit. He's just, uh, you know, he's just a chiropractor and this and that and the other as if um, <laughs> as if that's worse than the, the anatomy, physiology, and biology you have to learn as a chiropractor might be as intense as as a doctor. I don't really know, but I know that it's pretty intense. You got to be pretty darn smart to be a chiropractor. He well, very, yeah. When we talk about doctors, it's similar to talking about pastors. You mm. can be considered. You can say like, "Why are you talking about doctors that way?" There's a lot of good doctors, and it's like, "Why are you talking about pastors that way?" There's a lot of good pastors. True on both. But we'll have to say like this entire the COVID fraud part of it could not have been perpetuated on humanity without doctors. Doctors are the ones that could and should have stopped it. They didn't ask questions. They were giving stuff that was killing them immediately. Uh, and and they they did not stop it. Even when their fellow the doctors that began waking up saying, listen, this is not working. The remdesivir is not working. It's actually killing them. Killing the respirators, it, they're not. That's like a sure death thing. Of course, then you find out how many thousands of dollars are getting per person that they put on there. It's like I can I can go in a, on a rant on the doctors and then for them to point at someone who's actually doing uh, research, something they refuse to do. They just buy in what they're told to do from the top. And again, this is unfortunate. It was way too many, way more than half the doctors. It, you know, it eventually grew to there's thousands of doctors who now stand yeah. on truth and are releasing it. Yeah. But to, yeah. to Brian artists, the, the main part is this discovery that there may be there seems to be some uh, component of snake venom that's put in that was bioengineered into the covid and maybe into the vaccine itself, because if you look at the properties of uh, snake venom and what it does and people suffocating and losing the air. And, and, and when you understand, yeah, again, there's somebody actually did the, the genome of the, of the COVID-19 and showing how it matches or reveals snake venom there. The main point, rather than going into that deeper validating it, is this scripture is the antidote for it, because I already know that I believe it's into the millions of people that have already seen that uh, some either that interview with Stu Peters or some subsequent interviews revealing this, and it's going to go into the millions. And so there's a there's a fear aspect out there as well. 
Was venom put in water? Is it just put in the vaccine? Is it put in where exactly is and how have they done this? And and again, I believe it's worth looking into and you'll find uh, there's a truth there. But this is the Lord's antidote to it. And this is why, you know, part of my assignment is to encourage the body of Christ with what we have. What What is the power that we carry? Uh, we don't want to just keep bragging on the enemy. We don't want to do free commercials right. for him. We want to do. And so what's this Luke 10, 19? And I'll say it again. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Just in case, whether you believe it's, uh, whether you, you believe there's a connection with uh, the COVID-19 vaccination or with the actual COVID-19 all the power of the enemy gets covered. And that, that word uh, to trample on, it also, that word for trample, if you look it up for, for the Greek word for it, it also means to tread. It means to make a pathway on. He says, mm. I will make a pathway for you on the serpent component. So you can apply it even to what you're discovering. If it comes out verifiably true across the board that they have been targeting us with snake venom in some kind of way, put into something, just know that the Lord's saying, I have given you power over everything and every, all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And sometimes you have to, you have to quote and believe and own what the Lord says is our antidote for what the enemy is attempting to do. And, and just real quickly there, Steve, the context is, you know, Luke 10 is when he sends out the 70 and in verse 16, Jesus uh, says of them, you know, this is the this is the new crowd. They're not he's just they don't even really know. They don't know how to pray, but he's telling them they've been given authority over every work of the enemy. And then he tells them, verse 16, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects me, rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. He's laying out even accountability, uh, the sequence of accountability. It's important for us as we understand this, that we go out and make the enemy accountable. As we're activated, the enemy becomes accountable at a higher level even, and at some point accountable to God. And so there is a justice repercussion that comes on the enemy. But it says, verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Like they rejoice. They're like the demons, the core evil itself. When we say in the name of Jesus, they run. And of course, I have cast out thousands of demons and I, I've seen that. Uh, you know, I, I've wow. cast out demons of uh, a lady in the Dominican Republic had green foam out mm. of her mouth, about six inches, and she had already tried to bite uh, one of my leaders trying to cast out demons. Gee, wow. You know, it was it was scary. Then I said, in the name of Jesus, you will leave now. And then some coughing and some gone. And it's like it becomes clear. We have authority over every demonic, evil, scary looking thing. And then he then Jesus in verse 18 said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So what causes Satan to fall like lightning from heaven? What will cause him to fall like lightning from heaven right now? While you're waiting, don't wait, because it's the activation of the sons and daughters of the king going out, enforcing this power that we were reading in the previous verse. I give you power over every work of the enemy. And, and so we want to understand that this is something 
we are not only entitled to step into, but we are responsible to go ahead and activate. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, the closing thing on that, it's a little bit of a prophetic directive. I, for now, have even just put it in my hand. It's, I won't show it because this doesn't come out good. But I have Luke 10, 19. That's what that scripture says. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button to become a partner today. And if you're fighting, and it's not because I am, but if you're fighting any remnant of COVID, long-term COVID-19, long-haul COVID, anything to do with uh, anything, but breathing, taste, whatever else, I just recommend, I think it a good thing, uh, you can get a red piece of tape and put Luke 1019. That's good. Uh, I wrote a straight pen on my on my hand, uh, put it on, on a piece of tape, put it in your hat, put it on your body, and then read it every day and enforce, enforce that over yourself. Because part of what's happened, the Lord was, that's what he kept waking me up last night. He's like, there's been a little too much passivity and waiting. Mm. He says, okay. get, go ahead and engage with what I've already released to you. What I've already released will, will cause Satan to fall like lightning all over the place. Oh, good. So, so it's good. just, okay, body of Christ, let's do that. Anyway, those and are I, just two things. And I don't want to point that, this one thing out that uh, if you, some of you have already picked up, that's the scripture that Kat is like her life scripture. I take power over all the power of the enemy. Every time she sends the host, she says, I take power over all the power of the enemy. That's Luke 10, 19. I didn't know the reference until I saw it, but that's the one she uses. And uh, we pray that now all the time, or we declare that we take power over all the power of the enemy. You know, you make sure your life is hidden with Christ. You make sure you're not walking in sin or it's going to be, or you will be powerless when you say that scripture. But, you know, but if you, if you have struggles in your life that you can't get victory, then it be and you're seeking uh, he- healing. That's what you're saying is take take power. Just do it. Declare and de- declare that scripture. Well, I, I have a question for you on the list because you hit it already. I'm going to jump down to the question um, a little bit earlier. You talked about the the explosion of at the quarry that rumbled the house just when you were saying something important. So Randy asks, how does one know how to discern those bells and buzzers in your spirit that you've shared about? Because you've the last time you were on here, you talked about when something happens, you go ding, 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 and you use that. You kind of did that on the show. I don't know if you remember that. And so they go, how do you know how to discern what's what when you feel there's something? Like I'll hear someone say, "I like for me, Johnny, it'll just go, I'm prophesying over something, and all of a sudden there's a force that comes out of me that's bigger than me. And I'll start going, I know that this is, I don't even have to say I know. I just begin to declare what I know because it's like forcing its way out almost almost beyond me. So how would you describe how you're getting the, the bells or the dings or the go-aheads or the stops or whatever? Well, there's a scripture that talks about by exercise, by usage, that yeah. the gifts even, there's usage of it. Like you're just not going to know it like the first times. I mean, you learn, this is something you learn to uh, discern and discover, like you're talking about even it's part of a lesson the Lord had for me as far as I mentioned, casting out demon spirits and traveling around the nations. Um, it would be my cue from the Lord if as I, I passed someone who was manifesting demon spirits, 
if something in me went, I mean, there'd be like a line of the tribe of Judah comes inside of me. It would be deal with it and eliminate it now, cast it out. It's trying to interrupt the flow of the meeting. I'm actually trying to do something else. I'm re releasing and revealing my love in this meeting. And it's trying to t turn the tone of this meeting. So be, be done with it immediately. And then there would be like, if I saw a situation, and I didn't get that. It would be the Lord saying, you got to leave that one. Somebody needs to take that person in back. There's too much inner healing attached even to the, de the, the demonic release. And so they need the love of God ministered to them kind of in sandwich. Some of that and then some demons go and then some more love God and some demons go. So it would be a sign based on just feeling the spirit uh, come up with me. You know, it's uh, we know of Moses. It wasn't just that the burning bush was on fire. It wasn't just that there was a burning bush and then it started talking to him. It says when he turned aside to see why there's something in you that begins to make, uh, uh, you know, interacts with what's taking place. And then it, as it responds, really, I have it, it, the passage, the perfect passage. Let me just read that. Is yeah, Ezekiel, yeah. Ezekiel 37, because this is how the Lord instructed me on all, all kinds of things. And so, you know, it's Ezekiel 37, the first 10 verses, not going to read it all. I'm just going to tell you about it. And yes, I know it has an application um, as it relates to Israel, natural Israel. You could even add one for spiritual Israel if you want. But it really shows an interplay in the prophetic and on the prophetic. It, it goes both into the power that can be released and this process of how we interact with the Lord on it. And so <clears throat> uh, verse one of Ezekiel 37, and we want to understand. Well, I'll read it. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley and was full of bones. Uh, then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. It's worth me reading these first five verses because it'd be just as quick. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And it goes on, uh, you know, I'll put sinews on you, bring flesh, cover you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So verse seven, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Just that verse when I'm reading you seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. So it's not when God tells him, but when he obeys with what God tells him, there's a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone, and then there was breath. He had to prophesy to the breath, and then he prophesied to the breath, and they stood, you know, verse 10, uh, the breath came into them. They lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. So we see this process. We have a valley of not just dry bones, points out they're very dry bones, exceedingly dry bones, and that there. this is the interplay that we want to learn to recognize even right now. I feel like the Lord just saying, this is something going on right now with his sons and daughters. Many of you who already know how to uh, recognize the voice of God and speak it, but he takes him into a valley of very dry bones. He takes Ezekiel. And so many of you, many of us get put into situations. I remember when he dropped me in this city and told me to go to the city and prophesy good things. And the first thing, when I got to the city, I was like, this city is so 
God, this city is so full of sin. It was so full of sin and poverty, the demonic. I remember being offended in my, I was like, I want to get out of here as soon as possible. I don't want to even have the first meeting in this place. And the Lord told me, you've just been preaching Ezekiel 37 at our last stop. Wow. He wow. says, I want to ask you, he says, yeah, I brought you to a valley of dry bones, but what can you see in this valley of dry bones? That's what I want to know. So what he says to uh, Ezekiel upon seeing these, he asks him this question. It's a very important question. Verse three, son of man, can these bones live? And this is an interaction the Lord ha has with us. We look in Romans. There's another scripture that says we prophesy not according to our gifting, but according to our faith. And this mm. is something that I learned because I was trying to wait for a bigger gift. And, mm. and um, you know, for the heavens to rend open and an angel to appear in front of me and tell me something. And, and he taught me how to respond out of faith. And so where you just feel these little these urgings, you feel at some point you just recognize, wow, faith just came alive in me. It's this thing you're talking about earlier, Steve, like something happens and you learn to discern. Mm -hmm. And it's going to the more you you step into these things, the more you learn about it. Yeah. And uh, you, you quoted that scripture. And Emily, if you could find that one, because we pull up, it's just by in the King James, it says something by constant use of learn to discern good and evil. But if you find that, Emily, you can throw it up there. But uh, that's yeah, that what be you refer one. to. It's because it's constant use, constant. In other words, constant practice. Try this. Now, next time, try this, right? It's like, it's a little bit of trial and error to some degree. It is trial and error. And it's yeah. not being afraid to for the error. That's the yeah. thing. That's the good part is don't be, what's the worst thing that happens? Unless you decide to go on national TV and TV and says, thus says the Lord. I tell people, enjoy your days and years of no notoriety. There's a lot more pressure once your name is known. They follow every prophetic word. And then if it didn't happen soon enough, they're ready to stone you and all those kinds of things. I just found the early years, I mean, the early 10 years of prophesying was the most fun ever. Because really? I, just, I just ruthlessly did it anywhere, no fear. No, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just I, I heard it and I said it. I heard it and I said it. And I didn't have to ask myself the questions I have to ask. Why myself was it today. more? Yeah. Why was it more fun in the beginning? Have you learned to be more cautious now you've got older and you, and you don't want to mess up? I mean, if you're going to be totally transparent, why is it more? Why was it more fun then? Now I have to. Lord, I need another confirmation uh, to do that. I got to make sure. See, there's three voices that are going all the time. And, and there's the voice of God, there's the voice of Satan, and then there's your own voice. And so discerning which is which, and Satan, you know, comes as an angel of light. And so, you know, he may say, thus says the Lord. And at, at some point you can learn to recognize him sounding religious easily. You pick off Satan's voice. No, that was that. And the hardest one is between your own voice and God's yeah. voice. And like, did you just get a good idea that you decide to call prophecy or did you hear uh, hear from him? But when you're, you know, I remember this, I'm meeting with the mayor and telling him, uh, you know, there's going to be two zinc mines, a salt mine, mm. a silver mine, a lost city. Even as I'm giving him the word, I'm sort of enjoying it. But I'm like, I better never come back to this city again because <laughs> these things, um, you know, I was just saying him, saying him. Well, by it's faith. like you succeeded so well. You probably the next time you were afraid to not have such a great. I mean, that would have been what happened to me. I would have said, I will never have a good day that's that good again. And I'm afraid that's what I would be doing. You know, you may not suffer from those second guesses. but 
Well, By the way, it, throw, uh, Emily, throw that scripture while John, Johnny's talking. Yeah, there you Johnny. go. The solid food begins to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use. Now, don't forget those three words, reason of use. Uh, and so if you expect to have this the first time, that's, that's not reasonable. Reason of use, having their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you can apply it to all these things with the prophetic trial, trial and error. Yeah, and, yeah, that that could have said, and that is by by trial and error and lots of practice, they would have had their senses exercised. That's really what it's saying. And so you want to do your trial and error when the stakes are not high. Yeah, we'll just say once you're doing, once you're speaking to millions, the the stakes are a little higher. When you're when you're speaking to a handful or individuals, that's why yeah, going to malls and practicing your prophetic is not a bad place. And you're like, that's I think good. the Lord, you know, said wanted me to tell you that your husband is like, well, I'm not married. Like, okay, um, um, so you know, <laughs> you get and eh, eh, you learned what channels have been failing you, and so by yeah. reason of use, you 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 grow. You, you know? know that when you said it, how you felt. And then when it was completely bombed, you go, okay, that felt like this before I said it. The next time you say it, there's a little more oomph, and you go, and when it succeeds, you back off and say, how did that feel, right? Not only right, but here's, I think, a I found to be a major key for operating correctly in the prophetic is like, you know, you have your left side of the brain, right side of your brain, your left side's very... Uh, you know, linear intellectual processing, it kind of spits back what you do uh, put in there like a computer. And the right side is more your your intuitive side. And anything that hangs in too long in the left side of your brain is liable to not really be very prophetic. Like it's processing Ooh, and, and you're thinking and you're like, what are the possibilities and the probabilities? I mean, you might give a you could do a real safe prophetic word. The Lord says it's going to rain here in the next month. You know, it's not really not much of a not much not much of a, a a word there. But what I found is that when a, when I'm talking to someone, when I'm speaking or giving a word, like when I was speaking with this mayor, I literally had never thought of these things before, and they and I and I barely thought them, and I said them, and I was like, whoa. Because uh, number one, I was just being trained in it, and that's not my way of processing. I like to have thought what I'm saying, but it would be like not having processed it that way and letting it fly. That end up being always the most powerful prophetic words. Is is I had no ownership over them. I was like, yeah. that's why they would scare me for a while. I was like, whoa, I just said that, but I, I didn't really even process it and and own it. That's and good. Like, it's you like know, it makes you think of Kim, Kim Clement. We were back in the green room. I was visiting them on, they were doing a program on TBN in Dallas, Texas, and I was in the area. So I went and I was back in the green room and I was talking to, I think it was Hannah about the baby she was going to have. And I just, into it, I just said, so when is, when is he going to be born? And then I said, then I said, oh, wait, um, I don't know what it's going to be, he or she. And Kim, he said, Steve. The first thing out of your mouth, just go with the first thing. It didn't matter whether it was right or wrong. He was training me. The first thing out of your mouth, stick with it, you know? And that's kind of what I see happening with you a lot. You know, you almost pre don't pre-think it. Yeah, and I have the other thing for me, and we can get into that some other time. I want to not lose our Ezekiel 37 thing is oh, yeah. I found my writing to be very prophetic, that that's where I would discover especially in the early years, 
Um, but really, all along, actually, my strongest prophetic is in my writing. It is. It, it is true. That's true. I see that with you because you you will you will walk softly when you're speaking. You will carry a big stick when you're writing, and it'll flow too. So, I mean, I'm saying that in the absolute as an absolute compliment. You are when you put it in writing, you know, take it to the bank, really. So, well, and that's where um, I will even my first book. People don't know this about the Seven Mountain Prophecy. Well, actually, I had a book before that, but that's the biggest seller still just doing better now than it did when it first came out in 2008, the Seven Mountain Prophecy. But that was almost entirely revelation. I didn't mm. know it. And I would literally tell Elizabeth, I can't wait to go write on this chapter. I'm gonna find <laughs> out, I want to find out what I know. And that's it's like really it, good. It, was, it was a joke. I didn't know it. And it would be like I would write by revelation. He would have me study and learn it and own it. But it was uh, it really was the, the enjoyment for writing a book for me. Once I get a title and what the Lord wants to cover, I'm like, I'm about to discover. It's really it's it's as much discovery for me as someone's going to really read it. Good. That's really first, good. First time, really particularly good. in early years. But um, uh, I forget if I was saying something else before. Well, them, but I don't want to ruin your flow with your Ezekiel 30, 30, 37. 37. Yeah. So go whatever you want to cover there. Oh, yeah. I think I covered it with the with the writing. Um, okay, and often right. it's worth just saying this because something comes to me. Often I only get a first line, oh, and I've learned to go with that because again, it's about faith, and this is where it'll connect to Ezekiel thirty-seven again. It's interplay with the Lord, and and what I it took me a while to learn. He'd give me something so small, I'm like, well, I'm not going to do something that small. You got to give me more, and I'd never get the more. And so he taught me, you got to, you got to walk. It's like you know, the children of Israel had to start walking in the Jordan River before it opens. And so I remember um, I had this uh, this meeting with 150 pastors from Colombia. It was years ago. It was a difficult time going on in Colombia. And and the Lord, all he would give me is, oh, Colombia, oh, Colombia. And I was like, you got to give me more. And so it's like, start with what I give you. So I write, oh, Colombia, oh, Colombia. And then two pages um, came and when I, I just read it to the uh, to the pastors and I wasn't done with the first sentence and all of them were on the floor weeping. Um, and it was it was beyond what hit their, their brain. It was impartation. So I, I was like, oh, wow, I, I connected into a prophetic vein. This is all very good and instructive for those of you who are listening, is that some of you it doesn't mean all of you. Some of you will find it happens um, as you talk, but some of you may find out that there is a real prophetic vein you connect to in writing. There's different ways um, he can do it. But back to Ezekiel 37, we want to we want to make it clear here that it's not the, the storyline here is not that God calls the prophet Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones and says, "Watch what I'm going to do here, Ezekiel." There's this interplay. He first of all says, "Can these bones live?" And then Ezekiel, it's you know, Lord, and you could be implied like with you, all things are, are possible. You know, scripture says when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so he's looking, he's always going to operate. Your gift of prophecy is always going to require faith to operate. Faith yeah. means risk. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that if I can, because when, when, when I ever used to hear that, what I assumed it always meant, and it's still kind of a bit of a question, is does that mean I have this feeling of faith 
Or does that mean I'm willing to risk when I don't feel an unction, but I think God told me to say that? What What's the variant? How much can that vary? They can go into both of those. Okay. We'll say like the first time that I began speaking to leaders in nations and telling them things I was seeing, like that first time I was going back to a mayor and telling him, you know, two salt mines, zinc mines, silver mine. Well, that was a little bit scary faith. But then I went to two, 10 surrounding cities and and I had so much confidence from what God, because he had fulfilled all of them by 18 mm-hmm. months at the first one that I was like, well, I'm just going to do the first thing that that he shows me just like that last place. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a, uh, we'll get into that more after us. Cause I just got a picture in my mind's eye. And that's what I would say. And it, again, it wasn't an open vision. It wasn't an angel talking to me. It wasn't Jesus talking to me, but I was like, that's what I did last time. I didn't consider that a high level of revelation before, but I had this picture. Yeah. Come. And so I said, this is going to grow here. This is going to be discovered here. And then once you hear that happens again, then you find yourself, you know, you do shift into, we'll say, secured faith. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button. Now, back to the show. Uh, it's still faith. You're like, I could be, um, uh, you know, every time you're like, this could be totally wrong, but your confidence becomes in, that's the same voice I heard that's the same channel I was on when those other things happened. And so by reason of use, your faith is 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 something that's now tested. You know, it's kind of it was good faith the first time, but it's faith that's been, been okay. tested at this I remember, point. I remember a time when I was really new and they were starting to ask me to speak and then they want me to prophesy to different people. And so they brought this one up and all I had this in my head was I'm thinking, you know, I'm scared with it between every prophecy because you, you die a thousand deaths. All I saw is a field full of yellow tulips. I said, I see a field full of yellow tulips. And she screams and her friends scream. I go, what? <laughs> and and he said, that's all she ever talks about is yellow tulips. She loves yellow tulips. And then she said, well, what's the word? And I said, that's it. God wants you to know if he knows that about you, he knows everything else. That's all I got. But frankly, that was a pretty good word, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a real good word. It's yeah. amazing how much it touches people just to know God's aware of them and knows the mm. detail. That's one of the biggest things that comes out in prophetic words for people is that he knows a detail mm-hmm. uh, about them. So anyway, we ha- we're back to this valley. It's not the Lord showing off to Ezekiel his capabilities, but he's like, he's testing is there faith. And this is the message for us. So he's looking for faith. And faith a lot of times is what you just said. It's really willing to risk. And that's what I I, I encourage people who want to grow in the prophetic. Because if 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 it's by exercise of use that you get there, then you want to be uh, not afraid of usage. You know, you want to go ahead and do that. So he says, can these bone libs, O Lord? And he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So this is this verse five. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. But the Lord did not prophesy to the dry bones. He gave Ezekiel the word to prophesy. So we have the Lord can do this, but it's his desire to inter, interplay with us, to do this thing with us, not just to show off his power, but to understand the power of his word. We often talk about the power of his word and hold up a Bible, but he's allowing Ezekiel to have stewardship of his living word. He's mm. like, here's the message. Give this message. 
And so it says, uh, as we already uh, addressed in verse seven, as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And so it was this proof that him releasing, but it's it's the Lord wanting to encourage us. He says, it's like, and we want to understand what he's saying here and the power of it back to this, the weapons of our warfare are mighty. That's why this is so mighty. There is Ezekiel, him speaking to dry bones, takes them from a valley of very dry bones into an exceedingly great army. And he had to speak to the bones. He had to speak to the wind. He had to speak to the sinews and muscle. There was, according to the direct direction of the Lord, this partnership. And the Lord's, again, if you, if you can learn how to steward my words, you will release that same power on earth. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, that same spirit that operated through Christ, that same spirit that operated through the word in the very beginning and said, let there be light. Then if you say, again, we just want to get this. If he says, let there be light, and he tells you to say it somewhere, and you say, let there be light, then it happens. Now, I've told before, and just to the briefest thing, how I saw it as well, because I was speaking a message on, on the seven mountains in Costa Rica, and I was telling how God is going to show his power in every area of society in all seven mountains. It's not just time to uh, you know flee and run and hide and uh, tribu- uh, you know tribulation escapism time right now, but that I said, in fact, the sheer declaration of this word right now is powerful enough that it could blow the national power grid of this nation. Wow. And the moment I said it, the national power grid of Costa Rica <laughs> is documentable. It's, uh, uh, you know, I have the message and when I was preaching it, and then there is the fact that it comes out in the newspaper, newspaper the power grid went out for five hours and I said, it's because we're finally giving a message that gives him the honor due his name. But what I want to, I want, you know, really to resonate with people. It's not because I'm a special prophet that that happens. It's the stewardship of his word that he's giving all of us. Yeah. And, and if you'll seek yeah. his voice and if you go ahead and practice and risk and make the messes and then, you know, he, he, he resists the proud and he gives more yeah. grace to the humble. And sometimes you, you know, exploring and trying the prophetic makes you get humbled more because you miss it. I want to ask you a question, too, about this, because, you know, God's telling Ezekiel now, say that, can this, he he engages him, then he says, tells Ezekiel what to say. Is Ezekiel saying something, and and in obedience, this power comes from, from within him to happen, or is God saying, watching if he'll say it, and when he says it, then God goes, wham, to back up his words, which which is it? <laughs> that's the good question. Is it? <laughs> that's the good. I've had, um, you know, it's quickly on this one as well, because I began um, when I would just begin speaking and saying things are going to happen. I kind of was looking back after a five year period, and I was like, "Why is it always treasures? It's about the discovery of silver, gold, mm, uh, wow. thermal. Why? Why is that always?" Um, what happens, and and so you know, there's several layers of of message there. There's just the Lord wants us. No man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of of God, you you, if you connect to His communication, there is no end even to the resourcing that can take place. But I remember um, somebody asking a question. I think somewhat similar is like, so Johnny, do you think 
those treasures were there all That's along, cool. or did they did they happen when you spoke? That's really good. Yeah, it's a good question. What'd you say? What'd you tell them? I said, I don't know, but I'll tell you something else that happened. This was in the nation of uh, Costa Rica at this particular time. And and so I was giving a long prophetic word for the nation. I was on actually on TV and going out uh, actually to multiple nations, millions, but it was about Costa Rica. And so, and I could all of a sudden, because I can feel this part of feeling, I can feel when there's faith and I can feel when there's doubt. And all of a sudden I was saying too many good things and, and I could feel the doubt come. Uh, there. You were, doubting what, you, you were doubting your own words, you're saying. Not me doubting. I could feel it coming from the from listener. The people. Okay. Listen, okay. Listener okay. doubt. And I've okay. faced this multiple times, actually. Yeah. And so it either, either you, you melt from it or you, <clears throat> you go another level. So I said, Lord, um, and this is always when the Lord has me give a sign so they'll believe the prophetic word. And I'll say, okay, I know this is a hard word to believe, but I'm going to give you a sign so that you'll believe this word I'm giving. And and so, I and so, so the Lord says, do what we've been doing, give the sign. I said, okay. And so then I'm waiting for Him to give me. I go, what's the sign, Lord? And and um, and He goes, what do you want it to be? And I was like, and I had a little. I wasn't. I was on TV, and this is like. Uh, um, I, I just, I, he had never asked me that before. Wow. What do I want it to be? It was always him telling me what the sign was, and I would give the sign. As a sign of this is going to happen, there will be this discovered, and then that would happen. And then it was a reminder so people would believe the bigger part of, of, of the message. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, my. And I was like, well, it's always a treasure or something. And more often than not, there's gold. I said, can it be a, a, a quick discovery of gold somewhere, and he goes, "Yeah, gold, gold, it is." And then he, and and then um, I he I go, "Where?" He goes, "Where do you want it?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, oh my!" I said, "Okay, the northwestern near the northwestern border with Nicaragua," and and I get some, and so I let out so that you'll understand this word is going to be fulfilled. There will soon be discovered in this part. And I also said it would be the largest uh, gold mine discovered, if I remember that particular prophetic word, I have it written somewhere, um, that it will be the largest uh, gold mine that's ever been found in, in Costa Rica. And so I think it was like two weeks later, um, that gold was discovered and it was right there. And so the question was, um, uh, again, did the Lord... Yeah, chicken or the egg, was it there... And but, when it's you the said, power, but it's the power of, it could, what we do know, it could happen either way. Yeah, he could be telling could, you something that's going to happen, or he could just produce it like that because that's who he is. That's amazing. Man, that's amazing. And when you were, when you're, because I'm trying to figure out as you're saying that, he says, where do you want it to be in your mind? You see a thought in the Northwest corner. And then it sounds to me like you then kept going with it under an unction. In fact, it'll be the largest, right? First you found a location, then this unction takes over, and you start saying, in fact, it's going to be the largest, right? Is it something like that? Something like that. And then there's the other part is, so you go, well, did the Lord actually plant the gold idea in your mind? Did the Lord actually, and he could have, but I just know what had me thinking afterwards is he said, 
where there's, you know, there, I think there's a, he enjoys co-creating with us. And, and so at some point there's a joy that he has in allowing us, uh, uh, allowing us to do that. Again, that's uh, after many, 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 many total obedience, total obedience, best I knew he said it. And I'm saying with this. Well, and, and, and the genesis of that question about that I asked you about is, is it, power being suddenly burst through your voice because you obeyed or is it God saying he's obeying now watch me do this like Bruce Almighty you know uh God just goes for him and we the answer is indecisive we don't really know but it feels like it would be good news if God would do it simply because you obeyed the unction and you had no skin in the game because if it didn't happen, it wouldn't be because you didn't. You know, it feels like it'd be almost better news if God just did it because you obeyed. Yeah, it's just my brain processing it. You know, because <laughs> it would take a little pressure off me. Because <laughs> because we have trouble enough just obeying because we don't feel the unction. But if we if if obeying is primary before the unction, which I think it mostly is most of the time, before you you know anyway. Okay, well, not to go way off, but and and just I know we're uh, close to winding down time here. Is um, you know just so people know what was part of my training as well, and it's I still think it's it's pretty good training. It gets it gets old um, after a while, you know. In the old days, they had the little cassette tape recorder. You may have done this mm-hmm. before. Oh yeah, I would have to do on every mission trip hours and hours of just person after person after mm, person. Wow. And just um, uh, do, you know, give prophetic word over them, prophetic word over them, prophetic word that way. And so then you check in the best you can and you find out um, what was, uh, you know, how much of that changed and caused things to resonate. And of course, you can do the the safe path in the prophetic where you're just basically, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You prophesy the love of of God and, and there's generalities you can prophesy, but then there's that's a good opportunity to also, and I also see this and allow it to happen. And then I would get, uh, it's really probably, uh, you know, uh, the reputation of, of prophet. I never called myself that, but it was, there was just so many uh, words that I gave that were fulfilled that um, th- that's just anywhere. Well, and yeah. Some of that. And you've talked about that before when you, when your gift makes a room for you, that may not, you may not have used that scripture, but it did. When your gift makes room for you enough, often enough, profoundly enough, amazingly enough, eventually someone's going to attach profit to you. That's kind of how it happens instead of someone saying, you're a prophet. You, I'm laying hands and you're a prophet. And here's a, this is a quick one too. It's fun. I don't think I've said it before, but I was meeting with the general of the armed forces of a certain nation and um, and he was at the time not a believer, and um, but it was our second time there, and he had uh, really I'd gotten a lot out of the first time. So I, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know a detail uh, um, about him. Now there's so much. It's you know you can do research on people and stuff. I just didn't know a thing about him. And so I'm meeting with him. I said, General, um, you married? And said, yeah, because I didn't really know if he was. And he says, Yeah. And I said. And I think it was three sons, three sons or two sons. But I said, you have three sons. And and um, 
I think it was two sons now that it comes back to me. And he says, yes. And I says, your second son, um, you have a very bad relationship with him. Oh, wow. Uh, and actually, after I dressed, I said, your wife, when I asked, are you married? I was like, she has an illness. And so we prayed into that. And then I said, it's, uh, you have a son and your second son is not a good relationship. It causes you a lot of grief. And then he all of a sudden, he stops the whole thing. He goes, wait, wait, I need to stop this right now. I need to stop this right now. He says, I was thinking, I was thinking, who told you these things? I was thinking my assistant online. I said, nobody, he says, nobody knows this. Nobody knows these things that you're, you're telling me. And he said, um, and because he was a, he was a funny guy too. He says, do you think these things could be used for national? This thing you're doing could be used for national <laughs> He's already thinking about how he's going to use this new gift. <laughs> for national security, uh, for security measures. And, and then I laughed with him. And I, once again, without thinking what I said, I said, well, if you're worried about the border, and I named the nation that borders them, <laughs> I said, it's no big deal. Don't overreact to it. And he goes, and it was a literal situation he was worried about. There had been an incursion at the border and he was wondering what to do. And so it was, you know, the foolishness of God being wiser than men. Cause wow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, but it's anyway, that, that's just that's another. So, that's so good. You know, you gave an example a minute ago that people could start with the love of God. And I have been profoundly affected when people said, you know, especially in the earlier days when I didn't, no one was saying that to me, they'd say, God loves you so much. You have no, and it would be a prophet, a higher level person. And I'd say, if they know God loves me, but uh, Graham Cook did a, he and I did a conference together years ago and he did an activation for people to practice this gift. Kind of what you're saying, you know, and everyone's at different levels. He says, all right, pair off, find a pair, partner. And, and I paired off. I don't remember who, but they said, now write out, we're going to give you whatever it was, five minutes, 10 minutes to write out a, a very, uh, a, positive word for this person and so each person did he says all right now turn it over now before you share it turn it over and completely amplify it make it two or three times better than what you said <laughs> and i thought well what an amazing activation and practice so you amplify it because you know what you do is when you amplify it you put in things that you would have said this is just me thinking out loud you would put in things that you would have second guessed yourself a few minutes ago but he gave you permission to make it bigger. And then, of course, now you have the thing is maybe if I say it, God really will do it. So I don't remember the, the outcome. I just remember the practice. And um, he obviously considered it a, 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 a appropriate exercise for practicing that. Well, I love that. You know, most people nowadays probably aren't aware of the whole idea of priming a pump. You know, you mm -hmm. had a well and there's what you have to do in order. You're, you're, you're trying to get the well to produce water, but you have to pour water into it in order for it to uh, to prime and start spitting up water. We were in a community in Peru where we had to do that. We lived there a few years. But there's an aspect in the prophetic of telling things that you know are true, like telling someone the love of God and then yeah. and, and speaking that over them. Number one, it's if you don't know how to start praying for someone, because often that's how the prophetic comes out. Can I just pray for you? And then you start praying things that you know are the general will of God and that you can't be wrong about. There's there's like they can't be false prophecy. It, it can't be. It's it's true just by default. Like there's no that's way he right. doesn't love it. Yep. And so you, you, you do that. And sometimes that's sort of like priming the pump. And then the that's middle good. of you, that's your step of faith that you're doing. I'm doing this even though I had nothing. 
And so you start doing that. And then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I got water. Because when you're priming these pumps, all of a sudden you feel, you can feel you caught the water and the oh, water yeah. starting to come up. So it's another way of, uh, you know, helping you out as you, as you make your first steps of faith in, in, totally. in stepping out in the prophetic. That's a really good analogy. That's a really good uh, practical uh, example of priming the pump. Yeah, I've, I can't even, I've done a lot of it individually at conferences. And, and I still remember this one African-American young, very young, probably teenager. And I, I, I never knew how it came out or even if I was correct, but I began to prophesy, God's got plans for you. I didn't know where I was going to go. All I knew is this was my process. I had to start. And before I was done, I'm saying, I'm seeing you absolutely on first class. Do not take coach when you're given this opportunity. Don't take a back seat. Go for it. And it would amplify within me. And I just learned to go with the amplification. Sometimes I get to find out. Other times I know you don't hear the result. But but because of the response and because of how I felt, I, I felt like God was totally in it. So, No, that's how it works. It's really great. You know, maybe last word here on this mm -hmm. is there's I, – I, there's the baseball approach, I say. You know, you have to have a, enough at-bats to even know if you can play baseball. It would be crazy if, uh, you know, a hitter comes up from the minor leagues and he's 0 for 10. He's like, I'm sorry, I just not cut out for the majors. I can't do it. It's like, no, you don't even know until you've had enough at-bats. And you'll find out that if you do enough of them, it's like praying for the sick as well. Somebody says, I tried three times, or often they give up after one. I prayed for somebody, took all my nerve. And I was like, I'm never praying for anybody again. I, you know, I got their hopes up. I got my hopes up. It's like, no, 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 no. You have got to be willing to be relentless in this and just know it's part of your inheritance. Healing is our inheritance. The prophetic is our inheritance. Know my sheep, know my voice. So you learn his voice and you speak that. And so you'd be willing to do so. anybody who's listening. You're like, no, I definitely know I'm not prophetic. I'll, I'll counter you 100%. We've trained thousands we found everyone who we would get to follow certain markers of just faith and doing things. They all, we never discovered one person who we could say they're truly non-prophetic. There was good. no such thing. It, it's like, it's like telling again, I've said it, said it before. It's like telling a baby, well, you're just not called to walk because you keep falling. <laughs> That's good, Johnny. That's really it's, good. Yeah. yeah. It's, we got to read the, the best teachers reduce it to the simplest things. If I may, you, you gave a baseball metaphor. Um, I've used this. God's had given this to me years ago, and it kind of, if the, if you're the one practicing the prophetic word, you're the pitcher, okay? The catcher is the Lord. He's telling you words to give. He's giving you the one, two, or three, fastball, slowball, curve. And he says, tell him you see them on a bicycle, and you, you shake it off because the pitcher shakes it off, but he doesn't like the sign. So the catcher gives him another sign. You shake it up. Well, tell him you see him and his mom, you know, and his mom's holding him and picking him up out of the bat. No. Shake it. Finally, he gives a third one. Well, tell him his boss was giving him a raise tomorrow. Whatever it is, I'm just making this up on the sly. And you, okay, then you wind up in the pitch. That's the way the prophetic works. You can shake off two or three words in the same session, and God will give you another one. He'll just keep giving you stuff. If you keep practicing. So anyway, that has worked for me. I'll shake off a lot of stuff before I give it. I don't know if you ever shake it off, but I do sometimes. So Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, that's good, good, good. Well, you guys, we didn't get very long on our list, but we got lots and lots of questions answered by, uh, by just going with it. So let's see. Uh, I am supposed to tell you that if you have any questions for Johnny that for the next show or for 
it can't, we can't guarantee it the next show, but if you want to get it in line uh, for eventually being asked, right, go on webs to go on the worldwide web, go on the web to Johnny unfiltered.com. There it is. Johnny unfiltered.com. And there'll be a place where you can type your question. So we've just got that worked out since last week. So, we're going to have lots and lots of questions. Johnny, this is so, so good. I don't think we'll ever run out of questions for you. So this will be good. Um, all right. Anything else you want to add? Do we anything about Trump that we haven't said? Well, just that, you know, that's part of the prophetic is when something is repeated over and over and over again in the supernatural way. Yes, I received yeah. it originally. I cannot shake it off. I cannot get rid of it. Um, and so he's, uh, you know. He still has an assignment on him. And and but again, part of the focus even from the Lord is like, I'm taking care of my part. I have the thing I've called him to. But no matter what he does, you know, you all have to arise and shine. You have to exercise your authority as the body of Christ. You have to be the ones that hold the ground no matter who's in there. You know, no matter President Trump's in in his lawfully legally seated position as president of the United States. We have to have occupiers there. We have to have sons and daughters of the most high God who have, uh, you know, uh, who have really become aware the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, they're mighty. And so the prophetic is one of them uh, praying just, um, you know, everything that, that is a function of faith with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about it another time. Those are, those are things that we want to become, uh, we, we want those to become part of how we operate, no matter how much delay. And in fact, it could be tied into uh, why the Lord allows certain delays on certain things. Is like, I, I want you awake. Why does he want us awake? Not just so we can say we're awake, but he wants us awaking and rising, arising with yeah. what we've awakened to. And so this is a very practical way is stewarding a com- communication from the Lord in the prophetic. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, we know Trump was put in there in 2016 by God. It was very, very clear. I now I'm in a position where I absolutely believe he's coming back, hopefully sooner than later. But I believe that it was ordained by God for this election to be mightily stolen so that we would wake up. I mean, I don't know how much Trump allowed it on purpose or not. Only God knows. But but we now know, based on what and when, when Mel Kay was here the other day, we now realize we are infinitely more awake about what's going on by the deep state than we would be if God had said, okay, you all prayed and decrees. We're just going to give them the next four years and all will be well. Then we'd be right back in the mess again, you know, with the deep state and the media and all of that. Well, and Steve, the truth is, I think you know this as well, is that there has never been this large of an awake crowd on planet earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what's unique. It's millions. It's millions of my friends from other nations, from Latin America, they have their truth tellers, their red pillars, the ones that are by red pillars, the ones that are, you know, red pilling as in telling the truth and telling yeah. things, the control mechanisms of the cabal, how they've been running the world. And, and we're at a, a discovery point of, you know, nobody in 500 years for sure. And we can look a thousand easy. But for the last 500 years, there has been control mechanisms and assignments running society in general that have gone unrecognized by the masses. A few yeah. have had known that. And so, you know, it's almost embarrassing to me how much we believed 
alive for generations, how much we grew in that, you know, you know, by the way, anyone that doesn't understand the road pilling, more and more people get that, but the matrix trilogy or whatever that was, however many movies there were, the made, if when you took the red pill, your eyes were open. The red pillars are those giving you the red pill. Like he gave to Neo, Neo's eyes are open. He's realized that he had been asleep his whole life. So watch the first one. Go ahead, Easter. Steve, one last thing is worth noting because people could say, well, how did the prophets not know whatever, all these things? Yeah. yeah. And and those are things I asked the Lord. I was like, you shared it with me a lot of secrets. You didn't tell me any of that. And he's like, I don't want my prophetic voices, prophets' prophetic voices to be too far ahead of the people. You need to know what it feels like. Oh, to, good. If you understand just what we the shock we've gone through at awakening to this, the, what we've discovered to be real and the sense of betrayal and ha- having been manipulated and, and programmed and deprogrammed. You have to feel that it's like Jesus came and he made himself, you know, he made himself one of us so he could feel what we feel, what we go through. And so he doesn't want just prophets that come as like, yeah, I knew all of this way a long time ago. And in fact, if you know too much too soon, you're going to get stoned uh, yeah. so early on in the game, you, you won't be able to hang in there. Yeah, you either get stoned or the uh, for not, for, well, one of the, you know, I've had people say when we're right in the middle of something new that's scary, not even during this season, I'm talking about years ago. And I'll say, I knew that, God told me that years ago. Y'all want to stone them? for the arrogance of saying, yeah, I knew that. Like, if you knew it, keep it to yourself because right now I just want to stone you for that prideful. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, so anyway, it's past his path. Well, great show today, Johnny. Very, very good. Uh, All right. God bless you all. It was a great show. Give our love to Elizabeth, Johnny. We'll see you back next Monday, I think. So have fun, everybody, and have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 11. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description to become a partner today.